Salvation Now podcast, where you'll discover and be equipped with keys from the Word of God that will pave the way to God's unlimited blessing in your life. Now, here's your host, Evangelist T.J. Malkanji. Today I'm going to be discussing the master key to perpetual victory. So if you've had a hard time in life, it seems like you're always going up and down and all around, and there's not a constant flow of victory testimonies coming your way. That's not the way uh, God has ordained your life to, to operate on. That's not the way God has ordained you to live on the earth. The Bible's very clear. The path of the just shines brighter and brighter. We're not to go from mountain to valley, back to mountain, back to valley. Uh, valley. The scripture says we go from glory to glory, from victory to victory, and from strength to strength. So I want to show you if, if you've been, that's not your story. You've been struggling. It seems like every time you take a step forward, you get thrown back 10 steps back. I want to show you from the word of God, things that might be missing in life, you know, uh, and I'm going to read it in a, in a second and get more into it. But the kingdom of God, I entitled this the master key to perpetual victory because the kingdom of God operates by keys. And it doesn't matter how much money you have in a bank account. If you don't have the key to access the vault that holds your money, it won't do you any good. So I want to show you what the master key uh, to victory is in life. So help me out by sharing the broadcast. I see we have rolled in from Montreal on um, Manuel close to Mexico. Miguel from Arizona. Manteca, California. Kyle from Alberta. God bless you all. Uh, Los Angeles County, Ruben, out of California. Welcome to the broadcast. Please help me today by sharing this. Let's get this out to as many people as possible, and uh, let's get in it. I want to start off by reading. Well, first, before I go on, I'm, I'm in the States right now. I'm in the state of Florida, and I'm here for a minister's conference next week. After that, beginning June 3rd to 5th, I'm starting, uh, I'll be starting our, our one-and-a-half-month uh, travel schedule. We're starting out in Arvada, Colorado. My whole schedule is now online. It's live online, salvationnow.ca slash calendar. You can click on uh, the calendar link and it's going to show you my schedule for the next few months. And I would love for you to meet me at any of these meetings, uh, for you to come out to any of these meetings. And, 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 and I'd love to meet you. And if you want to meet me, you come out and meet me. And I know there's a, these are going to be powerful saturation meetings in the presence of God. And when, when you get into a place that is saturated, inundated by God's presence, the Bible's clear. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So whatever you need freedom from, come ex in expectation that when you, when you enter in, uh, in faith, knowing that you're not leaving the same way you came, that God's going to meet you where you're at. And when God meets you, He doesn't come down to your level only to stay at your level and give you encouragement at that level you're at. When He meets you at the level you're at, it's always so He, he can bring you to a higher level. That was the story of the Israelites in Egypt. They were in a house of bondage. They were uh, 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 in bondage to the Egyptian whip. They had no way of getting out. They were slaves in Egypt, but the Bible says God heard their cry, God saw their oppression, and He made a plan to come down to meet them but when he came down to meet them he brought them out of the house of bondage and he brought them in to the house of liberty to a place that flows with milk and honey and that'll be your story so go on my website salvation.ca calendar look it up 
all of our all of our uh, our itinerary for the United States tour is up there. Dates, locations, everything's set. If you see that there's some dates, I'm not traveling. And there's like a week open. You don't see any. If you're a pastor or a leader of a church, I'd love for you to get in contact with me. We'd love to come your way and uh, and be a blessing to you all. Let's get in it. Today, I'm going to start off by reading Luke chapter 11 and verse 52. This is what the Bible says. So if you're just joining me now, welcome. I'd love for you to share this broadcast. Help get the, for some odd reason, we have really low numbers. We're only at 74. Usually at this time, we're at about 100. So I don't know what it is. Maybe the sun is shining where you're at. I have no idea. But if you can help me share this, get this out to more people. I'd love to bless the 74 that are on, but I, I love to... Bl- maximize our output maximize our productivity today by helping out more people so if you can help me by doing that you'd be a great blessing to me luke eleven fifty two. 52 this is what the scripture says woe to you lawyers he's talking to the pharisees the scribes woe to you lawyers you have taken away the key of knowledge you did not enter in yourselves and those who were entering in you were hindered Jesus is showing us here, and actually I want to read Matthew 16 as well, just to like double up on my point. Matthew chapter 16, and beginning with verse 16. And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Verse 18. And I say to you, Peter, That on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Verse 19. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I want you, if you would, in the comment section to write out keys of the kingdom. Jesus taught that there are certain keys that open up different doors in the kingdom of God. If you look through the teachings of Christ, you can see that one of the keys of the kingdom that open up uh, 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 um, an aspect or open up doors in God's kingdom is the key of prayer. If you pray, uh, Jesus said that what what things soever that you pray for... Whatever it is you pray for, believe that you've received it and you will have it. The Bible says, um, and whatever things you ask in my name, I will hear it and I will give it to you. So that's one of the keys of the kingdom of heaven. But it is not a master key because there are certain doors prayer cannot open. There's certain things prayer can't give you. You can pray all you want for you to leave the realms of poverty and enter in to, to a realm of abundance, but prayer alone does not allow you access into God's kingdom prosperity. The Bible says it's only through giving that you can enter in to the, uh, to the blessing of prosperity in the kingdom of God. Give and it shall be given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together. Doesn't say pray and it shall be given unto you. You can pray and fast till you're blue in the face and 60 pounds soaking wet. If you don't give, it shall not be given unto you. The Bible says, honor the Lord with the, the first fruit of your substance and in the first fruit of all your increase. And then he will fill your barns with plenty and your vats shall overflow with new wine. The Bible says very clearly that it's only when Solomon gave to the Lord that God appeared to him at night and said, ask whatever you want. So you can see prayer has limitations. There are limitations that prayer 
uh, that God has set on prayer. If you ask and you're asking amiss, prayer will not produce for you. If you're asking wrongly, asking with improper motives. I made a broadcast actually called Five Common Mistakes People Make in Prayer. And I would encourage you to watch it after this. It's on my YouTube channel. And it will show you the limitations that prayer has. Um, and then how to pray appropriately. There's another key in the kingdom called the key, the key of faith. Faith. The Bible says that what, what all things are possible to him that believes. So everything's possible if you'll believe. But even faith has a limitation. Faith operates by love. Galatians 5, 6 says that, um, that uh, faith worketh by love. So if you don't have love, faith has limitations. You won't, <laughs> the Bible says if you have faith so as to move all mountains, it won't work for you if you have not love. So faith has limitations. Faith is not a master key that opens up every door. There are doors faith can't even open. Then there's a, something that the Bible calls the master key. What's a master key? In a house, there might be many doors and many keys that open and unlock every door. You know, like in my house. Or my parents' house. They have a, a key for their front door. There's a different key for the back door. Then there's a key for the shed in the back. There's a key to get into the garage. There's a, a, a passcode you have to punch in. Not every key opens up every door. But there is a master key that is made to fit every single lock and to open up every single door. The master key is needed for uh, to have access to every single door. If you have a million dollars in a vault, but you don't have a key to access that vault, that million dollars is not going to do you any good. There are a lot of Christians who know the promises of God. They know the covenant of God. They understand. They can quote you the promises to the T, chapter and verse. But they lack the key. They lack the foundational element for them to have perpetual victory. What's perpetual victory? It's not just having one victory. It's not just having several victories. Perpetual victory is having a flow of victories where it's not victory followed by failure. God did not create you for failure. God did not create you to fall and stumble on your way and just to teach you life's lessons. God created you in His image. Matter of fact, when Jesus was about to ascend on high, He said, as the living Father has sent me, me so now I send you did God send Jesus to fail did God send Jesus to, to have a life of tragedy and misery did God send Jesus to be a burden to his family did God send Jesus to be an, a, a liability on the earth in his day just to screw things up everywhere he went that everything he touched it seems like it just shriveled away nothing flourished no look at the life of Jesus and you can see God's will for you God sent Jesus to bless his generation and generations after him God sent Jesus to heal the sick God sent Jesus you look at his life. He had victory everywhere he went. Everywhere he went, he was breaking through in regions that the Pharisees and religion couldn't break through. He was getting the ear of kings, getting the ear of, of, of leaders in his day. When every other uh, ministry uh, method failed, Jesus carried breakthrough everywhere he went. Look at the gathering demoniac. They tried to get him tamed. They tried to bound him, bind him with shackles and chains. They tried to help him out. Jesus arrives on the scene and in five minutes did what the whole world could not do for him. I'll tell you something. God can do through you by the anointing in five minutes what 50 years of effort and power and struggle and, and, and sweat 
and, and uh, resources and energy could not do for you in 50 years what God's anointing will do for you in five minutes. So what is the master key? You can have a full house full of food and lock yourself out and die starving at the door. It takes a master key. You know, it's people that don't have the key to their car that sweat when they're approaching their car. It's people that don't have the key to, I was just yesterday at a gas station, and uh, it was unfortunate, but there was a lady who went to the bathroom for like three minutes, came back, realized she locked herself in the, she locked herself out of the car with her baby in the car. And so she was calling the police. My wife went out. We, we tried to help as much as we could. Called the police. Wait, you know, the uh, fire truck ended up coming to let her out. And the, the kid was not harmed. But she was crying and weeping and, and sh striving to do anything she could to open up that door. And, you know, the kid was awake and conscious. So if the kid was unconscious, you break, the, you break the window open. But you don't have to break windows open. And you don't have to sweat and tear and weep and cry at the door if you have the key. So what is the master key? The master key to perpetual victory that Jesus, the entirety of scriptures, can back up what I'm saying today. Is the fear of the Lord. The fear of God. And anytime you see holiness in the Bible or righteousness or living uprightly, it's interchangeable with the, with the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord, if it's not in place, everything else in life is going to crumble and fall. If you don't have fear for God, the Bible says very clearly, the fear of the Lord is the beginning. It's the foundational uh, pillar for everything else that God builds, it's the, the, the foundation upon which great destinies are built. Without the fear of the Lord in your life, you can try all you want. God will be working against you. If you don't live a holy life, God's not working for you. God resists the proud. And the main reason people don't fear God is because of pride. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So if the fear of the Lord, what's the fear of the Lord? The Bible says, the, I'm going to get through it. We got several points to cover today. But one of the things that the fear of God does is it causes you to hate sin. It causes you to love what God loves and to hate what God hates. If you're just a Christian who calls yourself a Christian, but lives a life totally opposite, contrary to what God has told you to do in Scripture, you're not going to have the wind of heaven pulling you for, pushing you forward. You're going to constantly be caught by the cords of sin that will keep you in a point, a place, a position of stagnation and idleness. And 50 years from now, you'll never, you'll never move forward. You'll never take a step forward. Because God, the Bible says, you are to cleanse your hands, you, double, you sinners. Purify your minds, you double-minded. Submit to God. When you don't have the fear of God, you're not going to submit to God. The Bible says you're to submit to God and then draw near to God. And God draw ne draws near to those that are submitted to Him. The Bible but I, I don't want to tackle the fear of the Lord today from the position that is usually used. You know, people come on and broadcast and they'll preach on the fear of God as like, you know, you guys are all wicked people. You guys are all sinners going to hell unless you fear God. I mean, uh, you, 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 you prideful, arrogant people. You guys should get on your knees and recognize God's got a lightning bolt directed to you. I don't want to get on the, the broadcast today. I don't want to preach this sermon from that viewpoint, from that standpoint. Because although it is true that, you know, I've... I'll quote it today. 
The Bible says Jesus told his, his followers, don't just fear, don't fear men who have the ability to kill your body, but then afterwards do nothing. Fear God who can destroy your body and soul in hell. So there is that aspect. But I want to show you the benefits of fearing God. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8, godliness is profitable. Godliness holds profit not only in the life to come, but in this life. Jesus said, whatever you give up for me, you'll receive in this life a hundredfold and in the life to come, eternal life. King, the kingdom of heaven, a house in heaven, a mansion in heaven with your name on it. But I think people hear about that part of what Jesus said, that you know one day it'll be worth it when you get to heaven, but they completely ignore the blessing that comes on the righteous for righteous living here and now. I mean, just even in a natural uh, standpoint. If you choose, even if you don't know God, but you choose to obey some of his commandments, like you, you don't, you don't have sex before marriage and you keep yourself pure or you don't, you don't do drugs. You, you maintain a, a life of integrity. You study, you're diligent in your work. Even someone who does that, but doesn't even know God because of those actions that he takes, those actions that are godly actions, he'll receive the benefit of it. He's not going to have STDs growing up because he's, he's very He's keeping himself pure and he's waiting for marriage to, to, to give himself over to, to, to his spouse. So even on a natural point, you know, if I don't go do heroin the next 300 days, I'm not going to reap the consequences of heroin abuse and heroin addiction. I don't touch alcohol. I don't even look. I, I don't go in the direction of alcohol. I don't put it to my lips, not a drop. And so I never have to worry about one day, you know, having, uh, having to go through an uh, alcoholic anonymous program. 101 and get around a bunch of people and say, you know, my name is TJ and I'm a, I don't have to go through that. I don't have to worry about it because I don't, you know, people want to come as close as they can to the, le the, 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 the ledge, to the, to, to the edge of the, the mountain, the edge of the canyon before they, they start to realize, man, man, maybe, you know, maybe I'll stay a little further back lest I slip in. Do you know what the Grand Canyon every year, I don't know what the number is, but many people die every single year because they get so close and the rock gives out and they end up slipping in to the canyon. People die every year because of that. I don't want to get as close as I can to hell and just have a little enjoyment for the flesh, but still holding on to God's hand so I don't fall in. Before I realized, man, I made him, I, I want to get as close as I can to the heartbeat of heaven before it hits me in the head and knocks me out. Can you say amen? I don't want to get, I don't want to get inches. The only time I want to get inches uh, away from hell is when I'm calling people out of hell into, into light, out of darkness, into light, out of the kingdom of darkness, into the kingdom of light. But outside of that, you know, Jesus ate with sinners. Jesus had, had dinner with sinners. But Jesus was not a sinner. You know, I had someone in Bible college that told me that unless she smoked pot and uh, rolled joints, and she would never be accepted by the, the, the pot-smoking community, so that's why she kept smoking. I mean, how deceived can you get? Paul didn't say 
You know, because we have this great grace available to us. Should we continue sinning? Yes, absolutely. Because where grace abounds, uh, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. So uh, you should sin all the more because that means more grace will be shown to you. He said, matter of fact, I'm not saying anything like that. I'm telling you, because of the grace of God, you should break free. The Bible says the grace of God has been shown towards us, teaching us that we should deny ungodliness, not serve ungodliness, not tempt not tempt ourselves with ungodliness, not uh, flirt with ungodliness, that we should deny ungodliness and worldly lust. So without the fear of the Lord, you're never going to have that. Isaiah 11 verses 1 through 3 says, The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon you. The Spirit of, of, um, of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, and then it says, The Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Do you know that the fear of the Lord is one of the aspects, it's one of the things that, Spirit empowers you to do. Fearing God is something God's Spirit empowers you to do. And when you don't have that, when you don't carry the spirit of the fear of the Lord, you can try to fear God all you want. You can try to live holy all you want. But you're never going to turn back on sin. You'll always have an appetite for sin. The fear of the Lord, it removes the appetite of sin in your life. You don't even want to do it. You have no more crave. You know, like I've seen it. Drug addicts come to our service, get hit by the power of God, and they get up and they come back a week, uh, three days later. We have, we usually have like a, a Sunday through Friday meetings every single night. They'll come back a couple of days later. Man, I, I, I felt something hit me the other night. I thought it was just me. I haven't had a craving. I haven't had a desire. My tongue has no desire to, 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 to put a cigarette to my mouth, to put a joint in my mouth. I have no desire for drugs. I've tried rehab clinics and it never worked for me. But all of a sudden, the chains broke off my life and they no longer have a desire, an appetite, a craving to put a needle in their arm anymore. What did that? It's the spirit of the fear of the Lord and it's, which, which brings you breakthrough from sin. I want to read today. And so like I said, I don't want to tackle this from the position of beating people down. You know, a lot of preachers, they love to beat people down with the word of God. If you don't, you know, you miserable, wretched sinners, y'all going to hell. I, I'm not going from that angle. I want to show you from the Bible reasons for fearing God that benefit you. Because Moses, the Bible says, he forsook Egypt because he looked to the reward. If you don't look to the reward of the fear of the Lord, when the days when things get tough, you're going to give in. But if you'll understand, just like Jesus, he endured the cross. He, 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 he forsook its, its uh, shame. He endured the cross because what? Looking forward to the joy that was set before him. One of the things that's going to cause you to endure in life, to persevere through temptation so that you don't fall victim to its teeth is looking to the reward you look every time god gave a command in scripture he always tied a reward to obeying it he didn't just say obey me and and, and uh and uh you know obey me and i won't strike you down he didn't say that all the, every time God gave an, a, a commandment, read it throughout the Bible. If you'll obey me, all these blessings will come on you and overtake you. If you'll obey me, you'll be blessed in the city. You'll be blessed in the country. You'll be blessed in your coming in. You'll be blessed in your going out. If you'll obey me, the Bible says, you'll spend your days in prosperity and your years in pleasure. So God always tied a reward to obedience. 
Obedience is not to God's profiting. Obedience is to my profiting. Godliness, it doesn't do God any good if I obey and serve Him. It does me all the good. Whether I decide to go the next 365 days living as a reprobate sinner, or I decide to plant my feet in the house of God, does not benefit God. It's not going to change God's life. It's going to change my life. I want you to write that in the comment section. Godliness is profitable for me. Godliness is profitable. Whether I become a drug addict or not doesn't help God. Whether I lift my hands up in praise in the darkest hour of my life does not help God. God is God. You didn't elect Him. You did not appoint Him. He wasn't, uh, he wasn't voted in. And so nobody can vote Him out. He is the ancient of days. He's the rock of ages. He's the God who was. He's the God who is. And guess what? He's going to be the God who is to come. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He's the Lord God and He changes not. When I serve Him, it helps me it doesn't help God because even if I didn't do what God called me to do he'll raise someone else up never get to the point of pride that you think that you're like an asset to God you're an, God can raise anybody up he said I can raise up stones to become children of Abraham it's for it's to help me he looked to the reward Psalm 1 the Bible says, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. So not walking in the counsel of the, of the wicked doesn't bless God. It blesses me. Who does not stand in the path of sinners. Who doesn't sit in, in, in the seat of scoffers. Who doesn't walk with sinners and, and mock the Holy Ghost and mock the power of God. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. For in his law he does meditate day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted. So my firm foundation in life, what's going to cause me to not be a wishy-washy Christian is my allegiance to God, not God's allegiance to me. God's already voted for you. The devil has voted against you. You have to, you have to, to cast the final vote. The Bible says in Deuteronomy, I have set before you life and death. God's not worried in heaven. We're the ones who have to choose life so that we and our descendants can live. You know what the good news is? You might have a family that doesn't serve God. You might, have, you might come from a family who mocks God. That anytime there's a preacher on TV, they, they just keep it on so they can mock his outfit, mock his accent, mock what he's talking about. And you come from a family who's even... Uh, um, They've even stood against your faith. They've even mocked you. They've even stood up against you. They've even mocked your church attendance. They've mocked your, your uh, faithfulness to God's kingdom. And so you might be the first person to go against the grind in your family. But let me tell you, Abraham was. Abraham came from a family of idol worshipers. The Bible says he was an idol maker in, in Haran, his father. But the scripture says when God called Abraham, he said, depart from your family. Come out of your father's house and come to the place that I'm going to show you. And if you'll obey me, I'll bless those that bless you. In your name, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. The Bible says, I'll even curse those that curse you. I'll stand by you as a dreaded champion. And I'll be like a wall of fire around you. That anything that decides to rise up against you has made a decision to be obliterated off the earth. Look at, look at Abraham. He stood up, went 
followed God's purposes and plans for his life, had the fear of God in him. How do we know he had the fear of God? Because Genesis chapter 15, uh, 14 talks about him going to war against, against, um, against the five kings. And he single-handedly with 319 or 315 trained men ends up winning that war. He comes back and the king of Sodom wants to reward him and give him uh, the spoil of war. And Abraham lifted up his hand. He said, I've sworn to God most high. I have sworn because I fear God. I have sworn to him. I will not take one sandal strap from the spoil of war. Lest the king of Sodom say, you have made Abraham rich. No, I fear God. My prosperity comes from God. My help is from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. And what happened to Abraham? Genesis 15 starts. By saying, and the Lord appeared to Abram. You can't fear God and not have God to come your way. And say, there's a man. Have you considered my servant Candy? Have you considered my servant Linda? Have you considered my servant Jen and Rebecca and Shireen? Have you considered my servant Esther? They fear God. And when God takes note of you, I tell you, that'll be the lowest you'll ever be. It marks a beginning of an upward and forward trajectory where your path becomes brighter and brighter where you begin to go from glory to glory where you begin to rise from victory to victory and strength to strength God told Abraham I am God, I am El Shaddai. I am the God of more than enough. I am the all-sufficient God. I am God and because you feared me I will multiply you and so you shall be multiplied. I'll exceedingly increase enlarge you and ye shall be blessed. And then what happened? You look at Abraham. When I found him, he was but one. Isaiah 54 says, when I found him, he was one person. But after I was through with him, how greatly I blessed him. How greatly I increased him. How greatly I enlarged him. You might look like a mustard seed now. But when you get into the fear of the Lord and you're planted into the house of God, you will grow into the largest field where the people that used to mock you will come alongside you. The people that used to uh, mock your faith, the people that used to to mock your righteousness the people that used to want to they were just expecting you to fall they thought you were just going through a phase and hoped you came out they'll be the ones that'll flock around you and say man I was wrong lead me to your God man I was wrong lead me to your to, to the source of life that you're drawing from that'll be your story in the mighty name of Jesus Christ the devil will rue the day he had you and could have wiped you out I tell you in the name of Jesus Christ God is leading Leading you to triumph in all things by Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. So what are some things? Well, first of all, what is the fear of the Lord? It's not just, it's not just uh, you know, being afraid of God. Because you should have a healthy fear of God in your heart. You should have a, a, a healthy fear where, you know, Jesus said... Don't fear man, fear God who can kill both body and soul in hell. So people that say, well, you know, the fear of the Lord is not about being afraid of God. You should be afraid of God, not an unhealthy fear where you don't want to be near him. But you should fear double-crossing God. You should fear screwing him over. You should fear the, you know, Jesus often, he spoke more about hell than he spoke about heaven. The Bible says he told a parable of the rich man and Lazarus. And which is not really a parable, actually. It's a real story because in every parable Jesus told, he never brought up names. This time he brings up a name. 
And he says there was a rich man who fared sumptuously but didn't care about God. He died and went to hell. But then there was another man who was a beggar who feared God. He died and was carried away into, into heaven. And then the man in hell, being in agony, cried out, Father Abraham, please allow Lazarus, who was a leper and full of sores on the earth that he didn't care for. Now he's telling that same leper who he wouldn't have gone 15 feet near his body. Now he's saying, Abraham, send him to dip his finger in water so that he can put it in my mouth so I can have some form of relief. Why do we fear God? Number one, because hell is real and hell is hot. Not only that, not only an eternal damnation. If you're fighting against God on earth, you're never going to win. Even Gamaliel said, who can fight against God and prevail? If this work is of God, it shall not be overturned. But if it's of man, it'll be overturned. You can't fight against God and win. And as long as you're walking in your way, there is a way that seems right unto men, but its end is the way of death. I love the story of Joshua before he gets to Jericho. He sees a vision of, or he doesn't see a vision, an actual angel stood before him. And he had his sword drawn out of his sheath. And Joshua asks him, are you on our side or are you on the side of our enemies? You know what the angel, which was actually a, it was the captain of the Lord of, of the armies of the Lord in heaven. The armies of the Lord of heaven's armies. You know what the angel's reply was? He said, neither. I'm on the Lord's side. So we're not trying to get God on our side. We have to get on God's side. God has his own side in the game. Man has a side and the devil has a side. The man is either going to stand on the devil's side for failure, for defeat, for sickness, for sin, for addiction, for turmoil, for tribulation, for challenge. Or he's going to make a choice. I'm standing with God. That's what the fear of God does. You realize he's the almighty God. He is the one who is self-sufficient. He is the I am that I am. That we are but grasshoppers in his sight. If he were to just put his thumb on us, we'd be crushed. But thank, thank God for his mercy. He doesn't want to crush you today. He didn't send Jesus to condemn the world. He sent Jesus that the world should be saved. So now Jesus is the gate to enter in, to come in on God's side. The fear of the Lord will do that for you. You know why the wicked don't fear God? Because God's in none of their thoughts. God is in none of their thoughts. That's why sinners keep on sinning. They, they say God will never require an account. They don't believe that one day they're going to have to give an account for their life. They don't believe that one day they're going to have to stand before a holy God and give an account for the deeds that they've done in the flesh. They don't believe the Bible in Revelation 21 when it says the books were opened and the, and, um, the dead were raised. The dead in the sea were raised. And they all came before the great white throne. And any name that was not found in the Lamb's book of life was cast into hell, into a fire that's never quenched with a worm that never dies out. P people sin because they don't have an awareness. They don't walk in the reality that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account for the deeds that we've done in the flesh, whether good or bad. The fear of God, it, uh, what is the fear of the Lord? The fear of the Lord is carrying a consciousness that God sees everything. Not just when I'm in church. He sees everything. He sees Friday night. He sees Saturday night. He sees your, you know, people that are just religious. 
They appear godly before men, but inwardly they're full of dead men's bones. People that carry the fear of God, they're godly at midnight and they're godly at noonday. They're godly at 3 p.m. and they're godly at 3 a.m. David said, I have set my life in a way that pleases God. Paul said that I know the terror of the Lord, therefore I work hard to persuade men. Paul said, whether I'm absent or I'm present, we've made this our goal, our objective, our aim. And that is to fear God, to please God, to do what he tells us to do. The Bible says in, in, the, in the book of Psalms, the wicked in the proud countenance of his heart does not fear God. God is in none of his thoughts. Thoughtless towards God. The Bible says that the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Why do you think there's such a push towards indoctrinating the next generation with atheism? Because the fear of God is the bedrock of the righteous. And if the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? If you, and you see it. You've seen a drop of the fear of God in society. Why do you think? Because there's, almost, there's very little fear of God in the church. And what happens in the church is it's going to overflow into the world. So whenever you see ministers complaining about the state of the world, it's not the state of the world. The church is the salt of the earth. If the salt loses its flavor, the world's going to feel it. That's what's happened. The world hasn't become more worldly. The church has become more worldly. And as a result, the world is on a downward spiral. That's why God said in Joel, let the priests weep between the doorposts and the altar. It's up to the ministers when there's no fear of God in the minister, and you can tell in some ministries, there's zero fear of God. They get up on the platform. They sit on a stool. I just want to share some thoughts with you today. Um, I was reading Time magazine this week, and don't even open their Bible. Just time. You know, I was reading an article by the Dalai Lama, and you think I'm joking. I, <laughs> there are ministers that they quote more Dalai Lama and Confucius than they do the Word of God. And you can tell when someone does something like that, when they get up and take up a platform and they're preaching the, like these soft, patsy sermons. I just want to share some thoughts with you. I was watching a TED Talk this weekend. The speaker, he really eliminated the importance for hard work in life. And it's like you're, half your congregation is going to hell and you're talking about hard work in life? You can tell when someone carries the fear of the Lord. There's a that emanates from them. There is a, a burden they carry. You know what Paul said in Romans 1? He said, I am indebted to God to preach to both the Jew and the Greek, to barbarian and to wise. And he said, carrying this burden, so I know I will preach the gospel at Rome. Do you think Paul went through hell and back because he was just, you know, Accounting didn't work out for me, so I actually went to a Bible college, and I just thought religion's so interesting, so I, I joined a church, and now I'm the pastor of that church. No, he had an encounter with God, and God said, I'm anointing you to turn people from darkness to light before it's eternally too late. So Paul, knowing the terror of the Lord, I work hard to persuade men. And when there's no fear of God in the pulpit, there's going to be even less in the pew. You have, you'll have people come in casually, chewing gum during worship with their arms crossed. Leaving 
during the altar call, I tell you, if you ever come to my service and you leave during the altar call, if I see you ever, no, I'm kidding. I'm not mocking. I'm not, I'm not going to put a threat. But you never leave a church service when an altar call is being given. That's a holy moment. You're standing on holy ground. But what do you have? People getting their coats together, getting the kids. Come on, kids, let's get out before, before the parking lot gets full. The Bible says, and an or, David said in Psalm 36.1, an oracle within my heart. Concerning the, the transgression of the wicked. The reason why people sin against God. There is no fear of God before their eyes. So I want to get. So that's what is the fear of God. I want to get. I'm going to move on. Another aspect of the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 8. Listen to this. And I, I'm pretty much touching on this. But it's its own point in itself. Proverbs 8 and verse 13. The fear of the Lord, thanks for joining me today. If you're, if you're uh, just tuning in now, help me by sharing this broadcast. Get it out to as many people as possible. Thanks for joining me on your Tuesday afternoon or morning, depending on where you're at. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. To hate evil. I want you to write that in the comment section. The fear of God is to hate evil. It's not just loving what God loves. It's hating what God hates. I don't just love God, I hate what God hates. Psalm 139, listen to this. This is David, who, the, who was noted in the Bible as the man after God's own heart. David said in 139, Psalm 139 in verse 19, Oh, that you would slay the wicked. Oh, that you would slay the wicked. Are you okay with the abortion in the street increasing and growing? Are you okay with uh, satanic agendas prevailing around you? Oh, how many of you know, Bible says in the last days, things would turn out like this. So, you know, what can we do? What a weak position. The fear of God puts something in you where when you cannot tolerate evil. David said, oh, that you would slay the wicked. Depart from me, therefore, you bloodthirsty men. They speak against you wickedly. Your enemies have been taking your name in vain. David said in verse 29, Don't I hate those that hate you, O Lord? Don't I loathe those that rise up against you? I hate them with a perfect hatred. I count them as my own enemy. David! And God said, There's someone who, who knows my heart. Do you, do you, are you okay? Do you smile at the fact that every single minute thousands die and go to hell around the world? Or does something rise in you that says, I'm not, when I feel uh, pushed to preach to somebody in the streets, I'm not going to set aside that conviction. I'm going to open up my mouth. The fear of God is to hate evil. When you see people bound by alcohol addiction, you just look, well, you know, runs in their family. Or does something come on you that says, I, I can't stand to see that happen. You know why people don't get anointed with fresh oil? Do you know why people stay with small little ministries and Christians with powerless lives? Because they don't hate evil to the point of saying, I'm going to fast and pray until the anointing of the Holy Ghost is strong on my life. Where people, where they just get around me and chains break. That when I open up my mouth with the gospel, it becomes power for salvation to those that hear it. Hallelujah.
I hate those that hate you. Um, governor closed church in our region, and so we haven't been able to go to church. You should hate the fact that your church is closed. Jesus, uh, Paul said in Hebrews, that we are not to forsake the assembly of ourselves, as is the habit of son. Do so all the more as you see the day of the Lord approaching. Last year shows us one thing, and it are, we already knew it, but more, all the more that we're not in the last hour of the last days. We're in the final seconds of the last days, and the trumpet's about to blow, and time's running out. Now's not a time to have less Holy Ghost services. Now's not the time to have less, uh, you know, in-person services, crusades, outreaches. Now's the time to vamp up our efforts before it's eternally too late to work while it is yet night, while it is yet day, for night comes when no man can work. You have people, you had pastors quoting Romans 13. Well, Romans 13 tells us to submit to government. Not to submit to government at the expense of forfeiting obedience to the highest government, which is God, who already said, meet. Fear of the Lord is to, do, to hate evil. Bible says in 1 Corinthians, Paul's admonishing the Corinthian church. He said, there's some people around you they, in the church, they do things such as it's not even named. It's not even thought of amongst the world. And they're doing it thinking that they're going to get away with it. And they said, I tell you not even to eat with such a man. Don't even eat with them. Don't go near. So Paul, obviously, he said, what do I have with judging the outside world? But those that are inside, I should judge. I don't, I don't. If, you're a, if you call yourself a Christian, but you live a life of, uh, of, of blatant outright sin, sleeping around, whatever. The Bible says, I'll, I'll try to help you. I'll try to preach to you. I'll try to, you know, set you up on your feet. But if you refuse, the scripture says, treat him as an infidel. Don't even, go, don't even, don't fellowship with people that are fellowshipping with hell. Bible says, come out from the unclean thing. Touch not the unclean thing. And then I'll receive you to myself. And I'll be a father to you. And you shall be sons and daughters to me. The Bible says that we are to perfect holiness in the fear of the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 1. We are to keep ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit. Perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. So the fear of God doesn't just empower you to love God and keep an awareness of, of, of His presence. Where you understand that the eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the good and the evil. The fear of God puts something in you where you no longer tolerate evil. Do you know that silence in the face of evil is evil itself? Silence in the face of evil is evil itself. Do you know why Hitler gained so much ground in Poland and Germany and in, in, in other places of Europe? Because you had Christians who didn't rise up until it was too late. They were saying, well, you know what? We got to submit to government. And e you know what? E evil just decided, hey, they're backing down. We'll, we'll, we'll flood in. That's why the Bible says when the enemy rushes in, God said, like a flood, I'm going to raise up a standard against it. We're the light of this world. If we put this light of ours under a brush, under a lampstand, I mean, under a, under a bed, 
It's not going to, the world's going to stay in darkness. That's why the Bible says, though the world is in deep darkness, though the peoples are covered by darkness, arise and shine by the fear. The fear of God causes you to rise and shine. It says, I will not be silent. I'm not going to put this little light of mine under a bed. I'm going to let it shine in such a way that the devil will not know what hits him and all the world will see that there's a God in heaven and that he goes by the name of Jesus Number two, the fear of the Lord is to depart from evil. So it's not just to hate evil. It's, not just, it's to not entertain evil at all. It's to depart. The Bible says it's by the fear of the Lord a man departs from evil. So if you don't have the fear of God, you'll, just have, you'll be convicted of things, but you'll never leave it. But when you understand that Jesus said, if your right hand causes you to sin, don't entertain it. Cut it off. Well, I don't think that was literal. Take the Bible literally where it, where it's literal. I mean, um, interpret the Bible literally. And then when there is a figurative language being used, find the literal meaning. That's how you should study your Bible. Jesus was not being figurative when he said you should cut your hand off if it causes you to sin. I'm not saying, you know, you did one thing and then you get the machete out and cut it off. But what he's saying if it is, don't let your hand drag you to hell. Cut it off. If there's friends around you, they, they don't fear God. And every time you, the companion of a fool is going to be destroyed. Every time you get around them, every time you come around them, every time you entertain them, every time you have them over, it's like your, your mind leaves holiness and you start to think unholy thoughts, start to do unholy things. Cut those people out of your life. If your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out, Jesus said. It's better for you to enter into heaven with one eye where God will restore the other eye, than for you to go to hell where the worm does not die and the fire does not, is never quenched. The Bible says in Psalm 55 and verse 19, because they do not fear God, therefore they do not change. When there's no fear of God, there won't be any change in life. Repentance comes when the fear of God strikes a man's heart. When you realize you're standing before a holy God. When you realize life was not what I thought it was. Where I can go. And live a life without any accountability. No, there's a God in heaven that's bigger than I am. There's a God in heaven who, who stretched out the expanse of the universe. Who even set the sea its limitations so the water would not transgress. There's a God in heaven who's called El Shaddai. There's a God in heaven in His hand. There's power and might to do whatever He wants to do. And by the fear of the Lord, when you fear that God, you depart, you don't entertain evil, you don't entertain unholy thoughts. The Bible says from within the heart proceed evil thoughts and all those things. But when you fear God, there's a change that happens in your heart. There's a transformation. The fear of God is not just to be informed. The fear of God causes transformation. That's why when Acts chapter 2, Peter preaches that day, on that day of Pentecost, the Bible says they were pricked to the heart. It's, it, conviction settled in their heart. It sunk deep into their heart. And they said, what must we do to be saved? When that earthquake happened, what must we do to be saved? Notice how it doesn't say, what must I believe? What must I say to be, to be saved? What must I do? And he said, first, repent. That repentance doesn't come until there's a pricking in the heart. You look at it in Acts chapter uh, 16. The Philippian jailer, when the earthquake happened. When Paul and Silas were praying and praising God. And an earthquake happened. Everyone's jails were open. Everyone's chains and shackles broken off. What did the Philippian jailer do? He drew his hat to kill himself. 
And because he knew, man, I, I was in charge of all these prisoners. Now they're all on the loose. I'm going to get killed anyways. I might, as, I might as well do it myself honorably before I get thrown before the firing squad. So he went to kill himself. Paul and Silas said, don't kill yourself. We're all here. And the man, the Bible says, fear gripped his heart. And he said, what must I do to be saved? So when the fear of God comes in to a person, they're not just saying, they're not just calling Jesus Savior. There's something that comes on them that says, he's not just Savior, he's my Lord. That's why Jesus said, there's going to be many people who called me Savior. They're saying, Lord, Lord. And I'll, I'll reply to them. I never knew you. Depart from me, you doers of lawlessness. The fear of God doesn't just empower you to make a confession that God is God. It gives you power to live a life like God is God. There's a lot of Christian atheists. They live practical atheism out in their life. There's no fear of God before their eyes. And they'll have to give an account for it. But I know that you watching right now from this broadcast, the spirit of the fear of the Lord is coming on you. You'll never be the same again. It won't be you trying to break free from sin. It'll, there'll not be any taste of it in your mouth from this moment onward in the name of Jesus. Why should we break free from sin? Not only because we should fear God and make heaven. Sin itself carries. Everything Satan is, sin carries to a person. Everything Satan is, sin carries to a person. Satan is death. Satan is deceptive, de deceitful. Satan is sickness. Satan is a liar. Satan is full of poverty. Satan is full of, 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 um, of sorrow. He doesn't know how to be happy. He's a miserable, sorrowful, depressed being. And everything sin, Satan is, sin carries to a person. The Bible says in James chapter 1, when sin is fully grown, it brings forth death. Death, Ezekiel 18 and verse 6 says, The soul that sinneth, it shall die. So why should we stop sinning? Not, not just because we fear God. Sin itself brings death. But the fear of the Lord turns one away from the snares of death. The devil is a thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, or the writer of Proverbs says, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. And they that have it abide in satisfaction. They will not be visited by evil. So number one, the fear of the Lord, turning away from sin, averts death. You don't have to die an early death. And death has many shapes and forms. People are emotionally dead. They're depressed. They're full of anxiety. Their mind runs into places they don't want to go. The Bible says in Proverbs 5, that when you sin and entertain sin, you'll give your years to the cruel one. You'll give your honor to others. Meaning your life is going to be full of dishonor. Your life is, is not going to have anything substantial to show for it. When you sin, you give your years to the cruel one. You're handing the keys of your life over to the devil for him to do whatever he wants in life. Your years to the cruel one. And the devil's not a gentleman. If you think you can flirt with him, he'll maybe lure you in a little bit. Show you a little, you know, some things that'll make you happy. But sin has a, a fleeting pleasure. It, there's a season that is happy in sin. But then that season's very short. And then it shows it and it reveals its ugly nature. And the Bible says you're giving your years to the cruel one to do cruel things in your life. 
The Bible says you're giving your wealth to, to a foreigner and aliens will be filled with your wealth. Sin attracts poverty. Sin attracts penury. Sin uh, will, will strip you of dignity. What else will sin bring? Sin brings shame. Sin will shipwreck your destiny. It shipwrecks destinies. Doesn't matter how grandiose a God, the, uh, the plan God has for your life. If you are in, in, in intentional and you practice a life of sin, the Bible says some have, sh have shipwrecked concerning their faith. And you, you can see it all throughout the Bible. I don't have to consider, I don't have to, to go deep down into that. So I want to go on the opposite end today. Because most people, that's where they stop when they preach on the fear of the Lord. On all like the negative side. Like if you don't fear God, you're gonna, you, you'll have shame in life. If you don't fear God, life's never going to get better for you. If you don't fear God, you're going to live a life of, of cruelties. You're going you're, you're gonna to live a tragedy. You, you know, all that side. But there's another side to the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. When you fear God, you enter into God's level of wisdom. Which the Bible says, there's several wisdoms. There's the wisdom of the world, there's a wisdom that is sensual, there's a wisdom that's demonic. All of those wisdoms are prone to failure. But there's a wisdom that is from above, that does not fail. It's a wisdom that is full of good fruit. It's a wisdom that is without hypocrisy. It's a, a wisdom that's not in great words only, but a wisdom that is in great works. Jesus, they said of him, where did this man come from? And with what wisdom is this, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Look at Solomon. The wisdom that God gave Solomon was so great that the queen of the east came to hear and see. And she saw it and fainted. And when she revived from her, from when she had fainted, she said, the half of it hasn't even been told. I heard of the, the prosperity of your kingdom that the wisdom of God brought on you. And I thought they were just exaggerating. But when I saw it, I found out that the half of it hasn't even been told. The fear of the Lord is the inauguration into the world of God's wisdom, where God, the secret of the Lord is for them that fear Him. God's wisdom is packaged in secrets. When you fear God, God lets you in on those secrets. He shows you things to, to come. He shows you what to do. When you carry, was G, look at the wisdom of God, what it did for Jesus. Was he ever at a point in life where he didn't know what to do? And, oh goodness, there's 5,000 people here. I really don't know what we should do here. Uh, Peter, John, let's have a last minute board meeting. We really got to get our heads together. We did not expect this. Goodness gracious, Lord. Did he do that? He himself knew what he would do. He knew exactly. He got them to sit down in 50s. And, and a miracle was had and 5,000 men were fed, not counting women and children, which could have been about 20, 25,000 people. And the Bible says that all of them were filled to the full and 12 baskets were leftovers uh, were, of fragments that were left over. Filled with fragments that were left over. The Bible says the wisdom of God, what eye has not seen, what ear has not heard, what has never entered the heart of man, that's what God's wisdom will produce through you. Look at what it did for Joseph. Joseph was a man hated by his own family. They sold him into, into slavery. But the secret to Joseph's wisdom and what brought him from a low place to a high place in life, he said it in Genesis 42. He said, I fear God. How do we know he feared God? Not only in word, but in deed. Because when Potiphar's wife came and wanted to sleep with him, what did he say? Far be it that I should sin against the Lord in doing this wicked thing. Far be it that I should sin against God in doing this wicked thing. 
And he ended up paying for that. You'd think that, you know, he, he carried integrity. Things would, no, it got worse before it got better. But look at what happened. At the end of his life, God, not at the end of his life, at the end of that ordeal, by the, he was uh, 30 years old when this happened. God, in one day, took him out of the prison and put him in the palace. And Pharaoh himself, the king of the known world in that day, testified of Joseph and said, can we find such a man as this? A man in whom is the wisdom of the holy gods. Can we find such a man as this in whom is the wisdom of the holy gods? There is none as wise and as discernment, as discerning as you are, Joseph. And what happened to Joseph? He became a political power in his day. He set him as the second in command of all of Egypt. And Pharaoh said, nobody will even lift their heel in my realm unless you tell them to do it. He gave him the signet ring, which represented the authority of Egypt. Anything Joseph said went in Egypt. What took him to that high place? It was the fear of the Lord that gave him access into heavenly wisdom. You might find yourself today in a place where you don't know what to do. You might find yourself in a place where, where you know, you're backed up against the wall. And it seems like there's no way out. But you are, you're a person. You're a man. You're a woman who fears God. I want to tell you there's a benefit in fearing God. Part of that benefit is God said, I'll, I'll put a, I will speak a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk ye therein. I prophesy in the name of Jesus. You will begin to hear God's voice showing you the way out from here on out in the name of Jesus Christ. If you believe that for yourself, shout hallelujah. And put amen in the comment section. You look at Job. Job, which is part of the wisdom books, in case you didn't know that. Job was the greatest man in all the East. And Job was a man who feared God, eschewed evil, departed from evil. And he became the John D. Rockefeller of his day. There was nobody greater than Job. He had more wealth than anybody else. What, what was the secret to his life? The Bible says... And it was in the days of my youth, Job said this, that the secret of the Lord was revealed to me upon His holy tabernacle. The secret of the Lord was revealed to me upon His holy tabernacle. God's secrets that made Him rich came on the bedrock of holiness. Came to Him as He positioned Himself in holiness. He feared God. He eschewed evil. And that was someone God pointed out to Satan and said, Can you... Have you considered my servant, Job? And Satan said, I can't even touch him. There's a hedge of protection around him. Even when I, if I tried to, I couldn't touch him. What, what empowered Job to have that type of life of constant flourishing, constant increase? And then everybody loves to focus on the bad things of Job's life. Well, look, you know, Job was visited with all these evil things and it looked like, you know, at the end, the, the only point... To, the, only, the only lesson to learn from the book of Job is that if you'll just stick through it, you know, God will always be pleased with you. No. Look at the end of Job, which by the way, historians say that Job's life was about eight, that span of, of tragedy that happened was about 18 months. 12 to 18 months. But if you look at the end of the book of Job, as he continued, he said, I will not curse God. Even his wife was saying, curse God and die. You're going to have influences around you. Some people, even in your own family, that are going to get you to doubt the reward of fearing God. There's no point in doing it. Just curse God and die. But what did he do? You, you speak like a foolish woman, he said. And at the end of, his, of that 18-month ordeal, God showed up to him. And he said, 
Pray for your friends. And when you do, I'll restore everything that was lost. When he prayed for the fr his friends, God restored the captivity of Job. And everything he had lost, he gained double at the end of his life. You can't fear God and by putting God first and end up in a lesser position than you were at the beginning. You can't fear God and end up a, a, a story of, of, of tragedy and a story of... of um, hardship you always rise up the bible says he takes you up out of the dunghill out of the ash heap and he seats you amongst the princes of his people the fear of the lord is the foundation on which great destinies are built daniel shadrach meshach abednego they de they did not defile themselves with the choice uh delicacies of the king because it had been offered up to idols they refused to compromise. And what happened when they refused to compromise? Did it turn out bad for them? Or did that fear of God bring them to that? They were political influences in their day. As slaves, they came in as slaves. They ended up leaving Babylon as dignitaries. And they were young people. They were youth. The fear of the Lord increases your confidence level in God. The Bible says, in the fear of the Lord. This is actually the scripture that uh, steered me up to do this whole broadcast. In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. And His people shall have a place of refuge. You can't even have great faith without having the fear of the Lord at, at work in your life. In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. Meaning you'll have confidence, you'll exude confidence in God when you fear God. And what does that confidence do? Through faith. They obtained the promises. Through faith, they subdued kingdoms. Through faith, they wrought righteousness and ob obtained the promises. Through faith, they escaped the edge of the sword. Through faith, they escaped the violence of fire. Through faith, all these men, Hebrews 11, became heroes in the hall of faith of the Bible. Through faith, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they feared God. It gave them confidence to stand for God. Even when faced with the burning fiery furnace. And they said, hey, we don't fear that fire. We fear God. And our God whom we serve and fear is able to deliver us. When, you, when you're living a life of sin, you don't have that confidence. People that are in sin, that meddle in sin, they don't speak like that. They always have like, oh, you know, whatever God wants to come my way, I'll accept it. They don't have that. When people fear God and know God's heart, they're the, like David. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? David feared God. When Goliath came and yapped his mouth, he didn't just sit by and say, eh, well, what are you going to do about it? He opened up his, he had confidence to speak back. When you have zero confidence in your heart, you never speak back. The devil yaps his mouth and you let him run his mouth. When you do fear God, it's impossible to let him run his mouth. There's always a violent, a violent reaction. The fear of God is what will, hey, like Hezekiah, when Isaiah said, you're going to die. The Lord has said, you're going to die. He, there was a violent reaction. God, I have feared you since my youth. I refuse to go out like this. And God said, Isaiah, go and tell him I've added 15 years to his life. Which goes to my next point. The fear of the Lord prolongeth days. This is one of my favorite ones. And I probably finish with this. The fear of the Lord prolongeth days. Proverbs chapter 8. And verse 13, uh, no, Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 27.
The fear of the Lord prolongs days, but the years of the wicked shall be shortened. So fearing God actually causes extension to your natural life. Abraham feared God. The Bible says, God told him, Abraham, as for you, you shall depart and go to your fathers at a good old age. You shall be buried in peace. Job feared God and he said in Job 5.36, I believe it is, you shall go to your grave at a good old age as a sheaf of corn in its season. I, Isaiah 46, this is a scripture that caught my eye a couple of months ago and I just haven't been able to shake it off because it just shows you how good of a God the Lord is. Isaiah 46 and verse 4. This is God talking to those that fear Him. Even to your old age, I am He. Even to gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made you. I will bear you. I will carry you and I will deliver you. Even to old age, I am He. And even to to when your, your hairs turn gray, I'm going to be your God and I'm going to carry you. God has a package of longevity for those that fear Him. Longevity in life. The Bible says in Psalm 92, it is a good thing to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to God Most High, to plant your feet in His house. You will flourish in His courts. And even in old age, you will bear fruit. You will be fresh and flourishing. Even in old age. I'm anointed, not just to live long, but to bear fruit. I mean, you look at guys like Billy Graham, who feared God. How do we know he did that? He gave his life to preaching sinners out of hell and into heaven. And what did Billy Graham do? Billy Graham lived to 99 years old. At 95, he was still doing television programs. 95, 96, lived to 99 and went home to be with the Lord. Oral Roberts lived to like 94 years old at 91 or something, or 90 years old. He was giving, he was preaching, and out of every book of the Bible, was preaching Jesus out of every book of the Bible. Verbatim, not reading from notes. Out of his, from memory. He, in Genesis, is creator. In, in Exodus, he's the deliverer. In Leviticus, he's our high priest. In, in uh, Numbers, he's the brazen serpent. In Deuteronomy, he's the law. And in every single book, from memory, Oral Roberts preached Jesus out of every book of the Bible at 90 years old. Went home to be with the Lord at 94 or something like that. Look at T.L. Osborne. All these guys who feared God. Don't, just because people died before their time and they were Christian and all that, doesn't mean that has to be your story. Let every man's testimony be a liar, be a lie, but God's word be true. I don't, I don't expect things for, out, um, for my life. I don't expect things in life based on what happened to others. I expect things based on what God's word says about me. Proverbs 9, listen to this. Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 10 and 11. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by me, by who? By the fear of the Lord. Your days will be multiplied and years of life will be added to you. For by the fear of the Lord, your days will be multiplied. So it's not just having a long life. The days you live, you'll be able to produce in one day a multiplied production of what a normal person does in a day. You'll be able to do seven times more normal people, uh, their work output is in, in a day. For by me, your days shall be multiplied. That's not talking about, it says your years of life shall be added to you. That's talking about longevity in life. But the years of life are not going to be years of sorrow and years of sign. They're going to be years of multiplied productivity. 
Hallelujah. I mean, what's, the, what's good of living to 100 years old if you're paralyzed and you have your, you know, applesauce dripping down your face as they feed you in a home? No, you're not much good to God there. Bible says, uh, in, in, in long life, I'm, I'm going to satisfy you. In long life, I'll satisfy you. You'll have satisfying days. Meaning you're not going to look back and say, man, those were the days. Kenneth Hagin, in his latter years in life, was having the greatest crusades. In his, he, he did um, living faith crusades. He was having his, his greatest numbers come out, greatest miracles, greatest manifestations of God's power in his crusades. Two weeks before he went home to be with the Lord, he was doing a crusade. Why do you think? I prophesy in the name of Jesus, your life will not be cut short by tragedy or misery. Let me, let me read you something. Malachi chapter 3. When you fear God, God makes a distinction on your life. Those who fear God distinguish themselves in their generation. Daniel, the Bible says, carried the fear of the Lord. And King Darius said, there's a man in thy kingdom. Sorry, someone told King Darius, there's a man in thy kingdom whom... The spirit of the living God is in whom in the days of thy father light, understanding, and wisdom like the wisdom of the gods were found in him. And this Daniel distinguished himself because an excellent spirit was found in him. He distinguished himself by the fear of the Lord. Malachi chapter 3. Then those who feared the Lord, that's you, that's me, spoke to one another. And the Lord listened to them and heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before him. And those who feared the Lord, for those who fear the Lord and those who meditate on his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day that I make them my jewels. And I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. And you will again discern between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who doesn't serve God. There's a distinction that, com distinction that comes on you when you serve God. God said, I'll I will set them aside like a man sets aside his obedient and dutiful children. And whatever comes on the earth, Whatever tragedy hits the earth, whatever disaster hits the earth, whatever natural disaster, whatever pestilence or virus hits the earth, those who fear my name will be exempt. There's a covenant exemption order on your life. The blood of Jesus serves as a neon glowing sign and there is a touch not decree that's been put on your life. I don't fear the Lord in vain. I fear the Lord and there's a reward tied to my obedience. He said if you'll obey me, I'll set you high above the, the nations of the earth. All these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you've obeyed my voice. Blessed shall you be in the city. I'll command my blessing on your storehouse unto all to which you put your hand. It'll prosper in your hand. Because you've obeyed me. Because you've made a decision to serve me. To put me first in your life. You can't put God first and end up last. When you fear God, there's nothing else that you should fear. You shouldn't fear a year of drought. You shouldn't fear economic turmoil. You shouldn't fear another great depression or whatnot. Why? Because I fear God. God, God will take good care of me. Bible says, said to the wicked, nothing will go well for them. But Isaiah 3.10 says, say to the righteous, say to those that fear me, all will be well for you. All will be well for you. I don't have to worry about my tomorrow. Because God's already in tomorrow and he's setting things in order for me to have goodness and mercy to follow me every day of my life. Hallelujah.
there's, I bear in my body the mark of the Lord Jesus Christ because of the fear of God in my life. And the Bible says, therefore, let no man touch you. Anyone that desires to stretch out his hand to oppress and afflict you, any devil in hell has made a decision to lose that hand because God said, in righteousness, in the fear of the Lord, thou shalt be established. Thou shalt not fear terror, for it shall not come near you. You know, I just quoted it at the beginning of this broadcast. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. Those who had it shall abide in satisfaction. They'll abide in blessing. The fear of the Lord is the master key that opens up the gate of heaven that allows a deluge, a flood of victory, goodness, mercy, favor, and blessing to come upon your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because I fear God, I'm not, my life's not going the way the world's life's going. My, life, my life's not going to turn, turn out the same way someone without the fear of God's life is going to turn out. I, because I fear God, the Bible says, when you run, you will not stumble. When you walk, you will not faint. Because I fear God, I know my tomorrow is going to be all right. The Bible says, mark out the future of the, the upright man, the one who fears God. Look at the ways of the blameless. For the future of that man shall be peace. You know, the Bible says that young lions, they suffer and lack, but those that fear the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Stop thinking your service to God is just that, service to God. When you, thou shalt serve the Lord your God and he shall bless. When you serve God, when you obey God, when you, the Bible says, those who love me will follow me. And those who follow me, him, my father, will honor. There is an honor that comes on you. There's a special prize. Paul said, I press towards the prize. Even Paul knew there's a, I'm not doing this in vain. The Bible says, be steadfast and movable. Always abound in the work of the Lord. Knowing that your work for God is never in vain. God is not unjust to forget your labor of love and your service to his name. So if you're watching today and you thought, man, you know, I fear God, but you know, life is just hell on earth right now, but I know it'll be worth it one day. It will be worth it one day, but it's also going to be worth it now. I hope this broadcast, my prayer for today was that this broadcast would illuminate your understanding to see that there surely is a God in heaven and there is a reward for the righteous. The Bible says evil pursues sinners, but unto the righteous, those that fear God, good shall be repaid. I, my expectation is for goodness. The Bible says, they that fear the Lord, they will, have, they will enjoy a continual feast on the earth. They'll enjoy a continual feast. You've tasted and seen of the goodness of the Lord. But God doesn't want to just give you a taste. He wants to give you the full meal. So quit that religious nonsense. It'll be worthy one day. No, don't let any devil cheat you from a reward. Godliness is profitable here and in the life to come. And I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord manifest itself while I'm yet in the land of the living. Hallelujah. If you're watching right now and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The Bible says that um, it's by the fear of the Lord you depart from evil. 
There's a real devil that's out to kill, steal, and destroy. He prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And you have no there's, no, there's no winning that battle until you turn to Christ today. So I would encourage you, pray this prayer with me. Make sure your life is right with God. Make sure that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Make sure that you bear in your body the stamp of heaven. Make sure that the Bible says that you're washed of that you've been born again of spirit and of of truth no man can enter the kingdom of heaven unless he's born again by spirit and by truth so make sure it's up to you i said it before the devil's voted for against you god has voted for you you cast the final vote pray this with me if you're not saved today or maybe you are but you need to recommit your life maybe you have made that decision in the past but you need to recommit your life today pray this with me from the bottom of your heart that's right, Char. Acts 2.38, repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall for the remission of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. God's got a gift for you, but it takes you repenting, turning away from sin, turning to God. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. The evil of this world is the reason why you've fallen. The reason why life is hell. The reason why things don't work out. The reason why there's that empty void in your heart. And it's only in turning to God today that that void will be filled. You can't fill it with alcohol. You can't fill it with drugs. You can't fill it with women and men and sleeping around. You can't fill it with partying. You can't fill it with money or fame. You can't fill it with abundance of material possessions. I know people who are the richest and yet they're the most empty people on planet earth. But if you'll humble yourself before the mighty hand of God, God said, I will lift you up. You might be in a ditch today. God wants to lift you up. He's throwing you the rope of salvation. He's throwing you a lifeboat today. A life, a, a life vessel. Put it on. Come into the ark of God before it's too late. We're not promised tomorrow because Jesus can come back at any time. Today's the day of salvation. Now's the day to be saved. So if you're watching now and you need to make that, that decision, pray this with me. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I come to you humbling myself before your throne I need mercy today I believe you raised Jesus from the dead I confess Christ as Lord of my life fill me with your spirit wash me by your blood cleanse me from my past and from today let everything become new I thank you Lord that we're not just writing another chapter. That you and I are writing another book together. I thank you that I never have to be alone from this day onward. That heaven is my home. God is my father. And Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I thank you that from today, I'm a new creature. The old has passed away. Everything becomes new. And I'll never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Stay connected with us by visiting us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching at TJ Malkanji. Or visit us online, www.salvationnow.ca. God bless you, and until next time.